what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, entrepreneurs, hustlers, CEOs, innovators, people in and around the world that are just, you know, you're all in your thing, you're on your vibe, you're doing things differently, drawing outside the lines, creating new stuff, um, probably misunderstood, which is cool because we get you, my guests get you, we all are the same way. And, uh, you know, every week I bring on guests to talk about, you know, what are they experiencing in real time? And, um, you know, as you guys know, uh, especially for those of you that may be newer, um, I always, I always basically say that we don't glamorize or glorify in success. It's anything but. And, uh, you know, the journey is really where all the good stuff is happening anyways, right? And so we have these conversations about what are we learning in real time in any given particular area um, and how can we kind of apply that directly, right? So again, for those of you who are newer, I'm Matt Gottesman. You can find me on Instagram at Matt Gottesman for any other adventures and things going on. Um, and if you want to join in the conversation on entrepreneurship and creativity and culture, you can find us over at, at HDF Magazine. And of course, you can follow at Hustle Sold Separately. And uh, I just I appreciate all the love. We just recently reached 4 million downloads and you guys like just reaching out and commenting and also interacting with the guests like their brands are awesome and you know how i feel about the people that we bring on the show so please support them in every way and go like interact with them they're there they're they're human beings running these brands right and we're going to talk about uh, a couple of really interesting topics today and i've got a returning guest raquel tavares um she's been on before she's the founder and ceo of fourth and heart Gee company and um, she was on nearly 150 episodes ago, is what I looked up. And, uh, you know, we've stayed in touch over the, over the years, and uh, especially through content and sharing ideas and thoughts. And we're going to be talking about this, finding this path between accepting, like, what's happening outside in the outside world while still trying to find, you know, your voice in a time where we don't necessarily have immediate control over um, things that are happening, right, uh, and impacting our lives, whether personally or professionally. And uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a, I was telling her before the show, it's a very delicate topic because everybody's experiencing something different right now globally. And um, so what resonates with some may not resonate with others and so forth and so on. And, you know, we're, we're very conscious of that. So we're speaking from perspectives based on our own experiences and what we're living through and what we're acknowledging about ourselves and what we're hoping to add value in some way. And just to give you guys a quick background or recap, uh, Raquel, uh, like I mentioned, founder and CEO of Fourth and Heart. It's on the Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies, and it's also a very popular LA-based company. Um, Guy, as you guys might be familiar with, has become very popular in the last few years for its health benefits as well as for its uh, practical benefits such as cooking with high heat and shelf stability, right? Uh, it's better for you than butter. Uh, and I've got it stocked in my uh, cabinetry. And it's funny because after the last time I did a... a, a uh, recording with her, I was uh, talking with my family, and and my mother actually even says like, "Hey, have you ever heard of Fourth and Heart?" <laughs> I don't know if I told you about that, Raquel. Is that actually, I was like, "Yeah, no." I, I just had her on the podcast last Friday, but thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, but you know, she's been at the helm for a minute, and uh, you know, it was the very first company to launch basically flavored ghee products on our retail shelves, and now they're the second. Are you still the second? Or are you now the first largest? We're pretty close to the first. Okay. I think we'll give it another six months or so. So it's it's uh it's impending, but soon enough. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, uh, and I've I've watched you from about two years in. Uh, is when we met, and you've really taken this to you know ten million plus of revenue in year uh, per year. And um, born in Brazil, immigrated to California, grew up surrounded by very ambitious women who ignited your entrepreneurial spirit. Showed um, how. Pursuing your passion can fuel your soul. Thank you for that. Like that actually means a lot, especially to the listeners. And about what, six, seven years ago, um, you left your high tech career to, to care for young children. And um, you learned how to make a difference by doing something that was truly passionate about. And your Brazilian grandparents were natural entrepreneurs and a huge inspiration to you after your grandfather passed. Your grandmother began to make cookies and cakes in her kitchen. And you called them Nana's uh, Delicious, right? Did I say that right? 
Yeah, delicias. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would visit, um, that you would help her in the kitchen to make these cookies and all cut by hand. And they, uh, you would drive to the store together to drop off the orders. So when your grandmother passed, you were left um, with a humble sum and wanted to use all that money in honor of her and putting towards something that would fulfill a need, but be something that you could uh, stand behind and do well. And your mother was an Ayurvedic practitioner, awesome, by the way, and grew up making ghee in her home kitchen. And that's what you decided to bring to um, the pantry staple to masses. And you certainly have, and you've done, I mean, it's become a staple. Like, it is a known name, so I give you a lot of credit. And I can only imagine the amount of growth you've had professionally as a leader in a company and managing all the things that come with that while also being a parent and while also being a human being. So, so we're going to have some interesting <laughs> talks today, but thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, people are going to just have to go to episode 151 if they want, really want to hear the, the backstory, but like what's been happening since we spoke a couple of years ago, like what, what's been happening with the company just to kind of bring us up to speed and, and it's growth. And then I think it'd be cool to just talk about like some of the, you know, the interpersonal changes that you've gone through and we will just, we'll just riff from there. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, you know, we've gone through an immense amount of challenges and we've gone through an immense amount of growth. Um, you know, a couple of years back we were, we had dipped into a negative gross margin profile and, um, you know, we really had to hunker down and scramble and bring our investors around the table and, you know, get the believers around us. And we managed to get through that. And and, and as we did, I brought on a couple of amazing executives uh, that came in and uh, some with experience, some without experience that are still here today. And, you know, one of the things that that taught me was that that, that was definitely human perseverance. You know, that was... Uh, you know, there was no real sight of whether or not we were going to make it through the next 30 days or 60 days. And our investors, regardless, they hunkered down, they wrote checks, and, you know, we made it through. And of course, in that time, that was a, you know, economic growth phase, a boom phase, you know, bull market phase. And um, so we had that going for us. Uh, fast forward to now, we are in the opposite situation, whereas, you know, we're saving money, we're offering well or hitting our numbers and then we have the macro economy kind of look you know looming looking over us and um, kind of making us wonder well now what's going to happen right so it's kind of a, a constant uh, barrage of challenges if if you will and definitely puts the interpersonal element to test so it's um it's definitely taught me a lot about uh, about humility, about needing to lean on other people, um, about the need to pivot step when you thought that you were going warp speed in one direction, and then the next minute you're free falling and having to recalibrate on demand um, because as a leader, you are effectively the rock. And whether or not you feel fear or want to run for the woods, (laughs) you cannot show that. (laughs) You have to be pretty much poker face and or, you know, at the very, that would be kind of like the worst you could be. And then, uh, you know, above and beyond that, you have to maintain positivity and make sure that your team and your staff feels comfort that you're there and therefore they're in the right place at the right time. So you that know, would be kind of a big picture of what's, what's been going on in the past year and a half or so. Yeah, you know, well, a couple of things. Um, you sound lighter and lighter each each as each year goes by, um, which is really cool uh, to witness. But also, um, you're right in terms of so anybody listening when they when you say poker face, meaning like the last thing we would want to do in front of anybody is like throw the hands up and say like it's over <laughs> because <laughs> it's because that would never help in terms of getting through a situation. So a poker face isn't necessarily like mask on for anybody listening that just so that they understand that it's a, I'm going to have to work through this. <laughs> with, so, so let me, I'll get back to you. <laughs> right. Like I'm going to just go I'll be right back. yell in the woods real quick where nobody can hear me. And I'll be right back <laughs> after I've spoken to a therapist or something. No, but like, but, um, but let's talk about that. Like what have been some things that have really helped you when, when, 
not just what's happening now, but like in general, because, you know, crises happen, can happen all the time, just that normally they're happening at a very individual level um, versus when it's a very globally shared one. So like, what have you, you know, what, what has helped you along the way in terms of dealing with the shit? You know, like just when, when the stuff comes up and you're like, you know, yeah, you've got the poker face on because you're going to have to deal with it. But what have been some of the things that have helped you actually deal with it? Well, uh, basic, the basic elements that I add to the rest of my life would be, you know, stand up for what I believe in and, um, you know, create guardrails around me that will kind of give me guidance as to where I can and where I can't operate, um, and, uh, knowing that it's always like knowing that I cannot do it alone and that there is a constant need to source help, whether it's from, you know, the internal team or an external team of support or advisors. Um, you know, last year I I was just reminded that I was also going through a divorce. So, uh, you know, a lot of, of internal help came from, you know, being married and having that kind of support. And what I had to do is take that, look for that support outside, which was, you know, finding advisors, um, doing a lot of reading, um, exercising, obviously, and just really taking care of myself as well. So kind of, if, if, you know, as a leader, you're usually the rock and you typically don't have a rock to go to and, and, uh, cry on their shoulder or, you know, kind of complain and, um, just be the, a human being. So you'll have to center yourself most of the times solo, um, because everyone else has their own grief that they're dealing with, be it friends or, um, you know, board members. So, because you want to be kind of like the guide and the lead, you have to source that comfort from inside through self, you know, recalibration and then also from advisors. So I had brought in like um, a CEO advisor who I met at a CEO summit of one of our investors. And he had previously worked with the Navy SEALs and elite athletes and, you know, talked about some of the common traits that uh, elite athletes and performers will have with entrepreneurs and what you can adopt in order to, you know, keep that endurance up that you need to sustain for the haul. Because obviously this is a marathon, not a sprint. (laughs) (laughs) And then just, you know, that coupled with staying healthy, staying centered, and then always asking for what I need. Um, and being very specific about that. So there's no room for, for, uh, speculation from either family members or, um, board members, uh, you know, and, and that way people, a, they'll look at you like, okay, she knows what she wants. She knows where she's going. She's, you know, she's got boundaries and, um, she's going to put up these, you know, she's going to ensure that, um, whatever, decisions she makes is all in the kind of like support of the greater good and benefit of the company. Does that make sense at all? It makes a lot of sense. Actually, I was, what, it's funny, I was taking what you were saying and I was making a list and what I heard in there was integrity, discerning boundaries, teamwork, help, um, being direct and intentional, which is also um, being directional. Like basically in a nutshell, it's kind of like what you all said. And then something else you also said, which I really appreciated um, when you were talking about divorce, a lot of, you know, there's so much in that because I went through it as well. There's so much in there that I think sometimes people don't understand. I mean, it, I guess it all depends on what a person is experiencing with a mate. For me, I was told, and it, it sure felt like it, it's a mourning. It's a death. It, it is a mourning and a death a mourning period in a way because like it's a, you know, while it's still a, I also, also heard once that was like um, uh, mourning a person that's still alive is way harder <laughs> than so, in some cases than um mourning uh you know in some cases i don't want the audience to like take that like i had an amicable divorce but it was still hard like it's a partner that you lean on that's the point i'm really going at with it is that it's a partner that you lean on and like you mentioned when you have a teammate that's no longer a teammate and you're stripped and you're solo it's a very um it's a very interesting time you were mentioning sourcing it inside and sourcing it outside and what I liked about that is that that's the part I think sometimes uh, people don't realize is that 
when you've run out of places, well, when you've lost the team, if you will, that was you were currently playing with and you're like, how am I going to find it? You start to run out of places. And I like the idea of looking inside to be like, so I got to find it in places I didn't look before, <laughs> you know, as much. And then I got to find it externally in places I hadn't looked, thought to previous look that can give me levels of advice and people who I would trade places with um, because they've done some things and they've, they, you know, they've advanced themselves and they've expanded in themselves, um, you know, mentally, spiritually, financially. So I think it's cool that you brought that up because I think a lot of people, because whether it's you're going through a divorce or you're just going through a life change, like those are two very valid um, approaches of finding where you can externally and, and finding it, you know, some, some things inside that you didn't even know about yourself. So yeah, it did make sense. Great. Yeah. And it's actually a massive weakness of mine. I'm not the best person at asking for help. I never have been. And I'm always like, I can do this. I've got this. Mm. I can totally do this on my own. <laughs> and so the past three years is specifically with this business because, you know, as a younger person, the decision you make to not ask for help usually affects you and you only. But as you become a mother and as you become an entrepreneur, you have other people relying on you. So you have to actually ask yourself, okay, well, no longer am I my own sacrificial lamb. I actually have people that are counting on me. So I actually have to kind of look back and grow up, you know, and I mm. feel, I felt like I've been grown since I was six. I used to always tell my mother, well, I know what I need to know for now. <laughs> and, and so I felt, I feel like I grew up a lot in the past five years since this company was founded because, um, you know, of the, of people really depending on me and, and half of my job, like half of the reason why I keep working as hard as it, it, it can get is because of the people that are working for me. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I, I was doing it for me and now I'm doing it for them. And, um, you know, it really does kind of help me put one foot of, in front of the other every day. You'd mentioned before the show maintaining an identity while having to shift tremendous parts of who you were or who you are. That's an interesting balance. You want to go all in on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, can we, let's, will you repeat the question for me? Absolutely. I want to. I want you to lean in, lean into it, and then I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna follow you up. But like, because this is a very tough thing, uh, maintaining an identity while having to shift tremendous parts of who you were, you know, and who you are, right? Um, because there's this like, when, when, I, when I was first asking you about this and you brought this up, I thought it was interesting, and I, I guess I'll bring a little context for my world first, but, um, you, you know, there's this, um, we're, every day we're born again and every day we're dying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, the, if, if you're constantly evolving, who I was yesterday is who I'm not today and who I am today will be not be who I am tomorrow because of how fast I'm allowing um, myself and wanting myself to learn and grow. Um, but um, we also, there's also management in there of our old narratives um, of constantly letting go. And like, even as you mentioned, like it was hard to ask for help, you know, like constantly changing the way we did things to do things differently you know, that constant adaptation, that constant um, resetting, that constant trying new things, constant dealing with uncertainty, constant, like all, all the constant, right? There's nothing else constant but change. And that's right. happening daily. Um, so, you know, how do, you know, I, I guess the concept of like maintaining this overall identity of like, here, I'm human. You'll know me by my core and my soul, um, by how I show up every day for my actions. But at the same time, also taking into consideration that who I was yesterday, I am not today. So how do you, you know, what's that for you? What's that for you like, maintain this identity or, or how, is, how have you noticed your identity constantly changed throughout, you know, this business world and what's happening now and, you know, even your personal life? Um, I guess it's, it's like um, I try to maintain my identity by um, kind of a trying try not to be proud and kind of understanding that, um, you know, the way you're, the way you see yourself might not be the way that others see you. Mm. Um, and that sometimes you, you know, you don't, you, others don't necessarily have to understand you in order for you to be who you are. 
And I think that if we try to have everyone, you know, like when you want everyone to identify with you or understand you, it's almost like you're asking for acceptance in a way. (laughs) So true. Um, And if you keep asking for acceptance, then it's like you're constantly scrambling for for that, um, what you probably will not ever have. from the majority of people, right? Because your inner circle eventually just becomes those who accept you and, and vice versa. So I think that part of maturing and growing up is understanding that you have to kind of just, you know, accept and really know who you are and um, not really caught, like let other people's reactions be a reflection or of who you are. Like, not a judgment of, of who you are. And I feel like that acceptance is probably step one. And just knowing that your identity, identity can exist with or without people understanding who you are. And, um, that would probably be a uh, step one for sure. I, I, not to cut you off. I love that. I love that because, um, welcome to Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, a walking, like, you know, understand (laughs) me, understand who I am, not me, but like just the world at large, like, you know, here's, you know, everybody putting everything out there to kind of for acceptance in a lot of ways, a lot of people, not everyone. Um, But, but on a personal note, um, you're right, because for the longest time, oh, for me, you're right. um, For the longest time, it's that idea of wanting to be understood, wanting to be, you know, because because let let's be very honest for everyone listening. It feels good to be understood. Don't get me wrong, absolutely. Because like you know, when you're trying to express yourself, feels good to be understood. But I do agree with you, Raquel, that the ultimate relationship you have is with yourself, and that you don't need other people to understand you to have a really good relationship with yourself, and to give you permission, um, and to give you acceptance. And you don't need any of that. And it, it's a lot of practice, something that I, I've worked on for a while. I continue to work on constantly because we never want to have permission from anybody else to be ourselves ever. Um, exactly. Right? So, and that's work. <laughs> that's a lot of it work. It is work. <laughs> so it is. It is. And, you know, especially if, you know, I, if you're from a different country or a different culture and you are, you know, kind of going into a new culture or a new state or you're going into a new company or your new relationship, you kind of want to be like, here I am. This is why I'm here. Um, and so it's actually really hard to kind of backstep out of that. Um, and I definitely would resonate with that. Uh, so I think another thing that's important to re- maintaining an identity while, you know, the world kind of today is in chaos Um is, you know, maintaining some sort of hobby or a practice that you can do that's yours and yours only where you can express yourself either. Maybe it's journaling. Um, you know, maybe these days people journal less. So maybe it's doing like video monologues that you don't post, but you keep for yourself, um, or reading. And sometimes it is expressing yourself and, you know, putting yourself out there, um, cause you know, hopefully for the betterment of, of, uh, elevating the world around you. But I think that trying to find a hobby that is just yours and yours only, um, is very helpful as well. And, and it might move right one day you're, you're like, yeah, I'm going to try poetry and I'm the next, I'm going to, I'm going to try figure drawing, you know, maybe it's just a work in progress, but I think that just continuously trying to do, um, and find yourself is, is, um, important because a lot of people have a really hard time trying to figure out, you know, who they are, what they stand for. I would say maybe the majority of people, uh, don't really have a strong identity of who they are. And, um, it could be more of a struggle, but it doesn't hurt to just keep, keep trying. I remember I used to, my father was an artist. So I was as a, as a young teenager, I used to sketch and, and then I accepted the fact that I'm a horrible artist and I started drawing stick figures instead of dancing stick figures. And then I started writing poetry and that was kind of my jam and the way I found my identity. And I still write today. Um, so 
definitely uh, identity would be, uh, I mean, it, it, like a hobby that you can find definitely helps well, kind of carve out that inner identity. And what I love about that is that um, people don't realize how quickly you can learn about yourself by picking something up and just doing something for you only. And right. because you learn about, well, for one, it's very meditative because you don't, it, it stops you from a fast paced thinking about so many millions of different things to focusing on what's right in front of you. And then, uh, and then second, it's um, while you're doing that thing and you're in flow, it sparks, um, you know, a whole other, you know, neurological process going on inside. I don't know. It sparks a whole other, you know, set of, um, of perspectives and um and it also shows you like wow here's what i'm capable of here's what i've completed here's what i can do here's what i learned i learned a new skill set I, I did something from nothing like there's so much empowerment that actually comes in from just doing your own um hobby or like practice or something that's strictly for you that really does bleed out into the the rest of the world that you're creating around yourself, which to your point is really your identity. That's really where your identity can be found from the time you spend with yourself. Yeah. And that's interesting. It brings up the idea of, of, of testing, like walking the line and actually testing out your comfort zones. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> some people are so identified with themselves that they have a hard time like looking out and uh, don't want to interact with the outside world. And, you know, this is who they are and they want to put themselves in this little glass bubble and kind of, you know, protect, uh, preserve themselves and everything they stand for. And as you can see with what's happening today, that, you know, if you're not used to rocking your own boat, <laughs> then something that like, like this virus can really throw you for a loop and you'll start attaching to things and, you know, be trying to control the, what you can control. And, you know, you'll, you'll feel like you're in a tailspin. So I think it's, it is important to, in order to find the center in your identity, you actually have to try to reach as far out from that as well and uh, play the edge. And, and even today, we can try to do things that are not within our comfort zone, like learning a new language or, you know, writing a letter to someone that you really want to forgive you or professing your love to the person you've had your eye on for so many years. Like there's so many ways that we can test our comfort zones and play the edge even now that will drive us inwards into our own, to our own, to our own. <laughs> so true. And, and I mean, do you feel like everyone's identity is being tested right now? <laughs> I mean, certainly, that, right. Certainly, I mean, on a certainly. massive, oh, go ahead. Yeah. And it's, I, I would imagine like people who are like surfers or, you know, base jumpers or they've, uh, you know, done different forms of hallucinogenic drugs and, you know, any, anyone who's like put themselves completely in a, like a, a willing free fall and had to kind of like come out of it. Mm. Um, I bet you they're having an easier time dealing with what's going on today than those who are always playing it safe there you know okay <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to i'm debating about how much do i stir the pot because i completely <laughs> agree with what you just said there that um so so for clarity anybody out there that has put themselves often into um uncomfortable situations to expand whether through anything from a from a range of hallucinogenic drugs and base jumping uh, and surfing all the way to starting uh, businesses, failing at them, being successful at them, to putting them out to the, out there for love, to, you know, to uh, stand up comedians and actors, like mm -hmm. people putting their art out there. I, I, and I feel like um, the more people had done that, um, they have already been comfortable with the uncomfortable. And then we've got a lot of other people, like you said, whether they're playing it safe or not, suddenly it, it, they're put into a position of, I've got to look at my identity. Maybe many of them aren't yet or are still deciding how to do that or they don't even realize like, sure, guys, whatever. Yeah, this is an identity thing. This is a virus thing. You're like, look, that's not <laughs> – we're going a little bit higher than that. We're saying like, are you really looking at yourself right now and – 
what do you really want? Like, what's been going on? Like, hey, if you were to check in and be like, hey, I'm I'm 30, hey, I'm 40, hey, I'm 50, like, what do you feel about the previous chapters? <laughs> you know, like, how do you feel about how that's been going? Um, yep. So I, I wonder how many people are, are, are scrambling around an identity right now, you know? Well, they're effectively in a, uh, everyone's in a free fall right now, everybody, right? Everybody, everybody, yes, in some but, way. But, uh, yeah, in some way or another. Um, what was I, what was I, uh, what I, uh, was, I was uh, speaking to an, uh, an investor and we were talking about, or was it an advisor? I can't remember if it was an investor or an advisor. And we were talking about, you know, investing now versus investing at any other time. <laughs> and I was like, well, you never really know. We could be in a perfect condition. We could be killing it on top and bottom line. And the we could be in a bull market. And then tomorrow, <laughs> there could be a fire in the factory. Mm. Or I could get hit by a bus. <laughs> I mean, you never ever know, right? Not today, not yesterday, not after we come out of the COVID crisis. You'll never know. And that is just the thing. As soon as you accept the fact that you just don't know what's going to happen the next day within, you know, you really just don't, even if you convince yourself that you do. um, If we have that awareness and acceptance, all of this is going to seem a lot a lot uh, easier. And, um, I think with the acceptance we'll be, we'll become less panicked and hopefully can make some use of this time. But I think that everyone is going to be ultimately changed after this. And I think it's going to be great for those who are always sitting within their comfort zones. It's going to be painful, but it'll be great in the end. I mean, you know, Barring the loss of lives and all of that, of course, um, our hearts and, 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 and love goes out to those folks. But just on an energetic level, um, you know, taking just that into consideration, I think that a lot of lives will hopefully change for the better in the long run. Right. The goal is always to come out better on the other side. Always. And it usually always does. It's just that a lot of, um, uh, you know, um, feathers get ruffled along the way and it's it, it's never it's never easy it's never easy um it, uh what's the expression um it doesn't get easier we just get better right <laughs> yeah right. right which which for you know when i was younger i never understood that until i started realizing like oh wow because it's about our like our daily practices of how we show up and the more risk we take and the more um we adapt to knowing that nothing is certain so like when when people talk about uncertainty i'm like yeah but do you know if you're going to be here? Not not with the disease. I'm just saying like in general, like with life, like do we know you're going to be here tomorrow? Like my father thought he was going to live till, you know, 110. This man was adamant he was going to live till 110. And he passed away last year at 76. Like out of nowhere, you know, and really out of nowhere because he was actually healthy his whole life. But, you know, politically won't talk about, you know, the the, the healthcare system <laughs> that, no. that, that happened there. Sorry. But, 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 um, but it's okay. I mean, like, on a soul level, um, it was his time. It was just his time. And, um, but, but looking back, I don't think he said, yes, at 76 and a half, this is when I'll go. Like, it, nothing is certain. Nothing is ever Nothing certain, is certain. Except for the way we show up. Yeah. yeah, I think my father was the opposite. Thought he was going to uh, die early, and certainly, and he did. Uh, but he definitely lived every single minute of his life to the fullest. Mm. And, um, you know, people have told me that he had actually almost died before and actually had the experience of feeling like his, you know, he was leaving his body. Um, so it's interesting. You can just never really know. And it's hard for people to understand that. That's I was listening to uh, Brene Brown on, on the Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. show before I hopped on with you. And uh, she was also mentioning just all of our cultural associations and how that's affecting how people are reacting these days. So it's not only, you know, it's really just, you know, our personalities compounded with our personal experiences compounded with 
uh, the experiences of our parents and yeah. where we come from and, um, you know, if we've lived through a war or not. I was, I was just thinking how in third world countries it's, and emerging countries, it seems as if they've been able to mobilize faster than we have in the U.S. And it's because they're used to living in, in states of panic and, dis, and duress, right? Brazil mobilized extremely fast and shut down everything uh, to a degree further than we've done here in the U.S., and they're a much larger country and um, because they've had, you know, to be under military rule before. And it's just amazing how the fact that suffering can actually really help people react and respond or respond rather than react in situations like this. Um, so it's, I mean, we have to have compassion for everyone's personal experiences, but so, all fodder, all fodder for no, what's it's, happening now. It, it's it's so true. And um, to this level, we've never really experienced where it affects universally everybody all at the exact same time. And it doesn't discriminate against any, as I mentioned on another podcast, it doesn't discriminate against any uh, any race, any culture, any um, gender, any anything nothing it, it it literally can affect anybody and then you throw in so if it affects the entire world at large reaction culture like from different um states of being and regimes and rules and so many different things all at once that yeah you you get to on an open kind of um platform see how everybody uh reacts all in real time at the same time meaning because a lot of times like um, it was brought up on another podcast, like nine eleven. Like when nine eleven happened, it hits home. It's here. It's in our. It's our country. It hit really, really hard, and many other countries sympathized um, and could empathize as well, actually, because they they had some horrific acts happen to them. But when they're watching it happen to somebody versus everybody experiencing something, right? And similar when it's like wars happen in other countries, and we're we're far and we support, but we're not there. It's you know, it's different it, as a, an audience versus um, a participant, as I guess where I'm going with that. And right now, everybody's a participant. So it's interesting to watch the cultural um, differences to handling um, things based on just environmental. Um, does this make sense where I'm going? <laughs> like now I feel like I'm yeah. going on. A, you know what I mean? Like, no. I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. And it because, you know, environmentally, it, 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 it changes, too. Well, I was just thinking I was just thinking, you know, worst case scenario uh, looters and, and a civil revolution breaks out. Right. I don't want to be here. I want to be in Brazil where (laughs) there already are armed guards at the bottom of every apartment building. Right. Like I don't know how to use a gun. I need someone else that knows how to use a gun. And I mean, I know people that literally went to go buy weapons within the past couple of weeks that have never used a gun before because they were afraid, uh, you know, someone's going to break into their house. Um, but like in Brazil, it's just like, hey, yeah, you walk into an apartment building, the guy's got an AK-47 like right at his feet. You know, right. it's just kind of normal. <laughs> what business <laughs> do you mean here? People wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> they, would, they would be completely out of their minds and scrambling. Um, but yeah, I mean, the it's like uh, it's 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 just re- really interesting to observe what's happening uh, around the world and and here. But I, to be honest with you, I've actually been trying to completely. Uh, turn off the news with the exception to like once or twice a week. So I don't fear, like fuel the fear because regardless of where you are, fear is paralyzing. Yes. It just doesn't serve a purpose. Let's, let's expand on that because uh, I've been doing the same thing, um, which has allowed me to um, monitor and block out the noise, um, create even more um, and hunker down in certain things that I really wanted to take care of. What types of advice would you give for anybody right now that is in it and you're and they're like, you know, hey, like, give me some advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I know it's easy, it's always easy, right, to talk about what's going on, but like um what has been working for you? So you've been so you've been turning off, um, you know, you've been only maybe looking into the the media maybe like once or twice a week just to make sure that we're still in existence, right? There's still something going on and, and to check in on numbers, things like that. Um, pretty much yeah what else have you been doing to kind of really stay in your your you know in a good mindset and flow well it's interesting 
from the beginning, I've kind of been a little bit ahead of the curve. So I saw signs and I, um, I, um, you know, immediately like liquidated every single one of my as uh, stock, um, stocks in my portfolio. Um, so basically that say that to say I've, uh, tried to be proactive about what yes. could come, but I have been turning off the news because I feel like if I'm proactive, meaning I'm saving my company's financial runway, I'm saving my individual financial runway, I know that I have to do that. Watching the daily markets is not going to change the facts of what needs to be done. I'm staying at home. I've been staying at home for about three weeks now. And I feel like I've taken the precautions that are necessary. And um, again, the news is not going to, you know, knowing how many COVID cases are in my neighborhood or, or in California, it's just, it's just going to create more fear. And so I want to be present for my children and not have them live in a state of fear. So um, yeah, just been preparing, proactive, uh, trying to just stay at home, live in the moment and and stay fit probably more than usual. I'm, I'm probably exercising more than I normally would. Um, and then if I get upset or I get sad, you know, I just kind of let it happen and it comes and it goes. And then I just get back on the horse again, but I've been trying to just meet everything with a little bit less resistance, which is hard for fighters. You know, we want to fight, we want to deny. And that's kind of how I was in the beginning where I was like, this is BS. This they're taking, they're blowing this way out of proportion. And then my friends would be like, no, Raquel, this is real. Da, 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 da. I'm like, oh my God, they're taking this way too seriously. And so I started basically just doing what, you know, was mandated by the state, but not like kind of going crazy above and beyond that. Like I, I wasn't hoarding toilet paper or paper towels or, you know, or anything like that. I was just trying to be reasonable and not react on fear is probably just the general theme of what I'm doing to get through this. And I am definitely doing a lot of um, relaxing <laughs> as well. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I drink I, wine every night. <laughs> I talk with my friends, watch funny, you know, follow funny Instagram accounts and just try to keep like my, my thesis is basically unless I'm gonna go do something about it myself personally, be on the front lines, become a nurse, whatever I can do. I just try not to complain about it and keep my peace and only try to have a direct effect on what I can actually have, you know, can actually make a change, which is my family, my company, my friends, and it's kind of not passive, but just it's not, I don't think it's passive at all. Actually, I think it's very, um, what I, can, I, I think guess. it's very, I think it's very proactive is the right word. Um, I think that in other words, much of the work that you had had to previously do for yourself in any kind of circumstance, you're leading from that same standpoint now. Um, and it's, you know, how can I be pro first of all, for anybody listening, it is actually, yes, it's a very serious thing that's going on. Absolutely. So there's no downplay of that at all, um, at all. Um, but being proactive um, does move you out of a state of fear and into a place of um, knowing and um, and actually really good back to the theme of identity, really in your identity and actually can also expand your identity um, because, um, you know, I found not related to this, but just like in times where I learned a very early age, like maybe like 1920, when I was in some really weird circumstances, like I was, I was traveling and like first time I really traveled internationally, like completely by myself and everything that could have gone wrong in 48 hours could have. And interestingly enough, it's not until you're put into certain circumstances where you're like, okay, what would be the next viable step? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you're, and, and I wouldn't have known that without being in that circumstance. So I, I find that being proactive is, is a great way to move yourself out of um, sitting in any emotions and in your, um, and in your, your fears or anything going on internally and moving into a state of kind of like, 
what can be done next? What can I do next? And that's going to be life, whether you're in a pandemic or not. Um, any, you know, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and, and when you're calm, you can finally, and you've kind of got your own home together and your, your world together, you can actually sit down and, and think, okay, now what can I do yes. to, to help, right? Um, and I think that's kind of where I am right now and try to drum up ways in which either the company or, uh, you know, we as a people can mobilize. I, I love what I'm seeing about folks, you know, donating food, which the company, our company will be doing to FEMA very soon. Um, and then also people making face masks and, um, you know, really trying to mobilize where they can, you know, even if it's a hundred face masks or 10 or a thousand, um, you know, I, I definitely think that collectively we can all start to put our heads down and figure out how we can help even from our homes. You know, I hope everybody that was listening to this didn't turn it off at one point and was like, ah, I don't want to talk about this and got to this part because I think this is the most important part that you brought up because this is going to be in any stage of life is that when you are proactive and you take care of, which is nothing no, no different than Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like, but when you take care of the um, circumstance at hand and your needs and certain things, you are then in a position of value of, okay, how can I, now that I've got my things in order, how, how can I help in mass? And it's a concept way before what we're dealing with right now that has been long taught by a lot of masters about, you know, why getting your, your, your life in order or, or taking care of the things, the need, innate needs that you need to put yourself in a state of now, what can I do? And also like your point from a very calm place, because it's like, you were you were able to take care of things that uh, were immediate through action, and then you were able to also say, okay, now where else do we apply this to, and how many people can we affect? So now we're in a position of value to really give and serve at an even higher level. So getting out of fear and right into you know taking care of things puts us in a place to serve way further and farther than we could ever imagine, um, and I think that's highly valuable. So I just wanted to I want to bring light onto that that like the importance of <laughs> getting out of fear and getting into action and then eventually really getting into just massive service from that. Yeah. yeah. I really do think that you have to have order and, you know, internal order, order within your house in order to really support others. And, you know, I, I do see a lot of givers out there not to say oh, I definitely am a giver, but, um, those who kind of put themselves last and then what will happen is that it's just like burning a candle at both ends. There yes. will be a, you know, a diminishing return. And the example that you're setting to others is that you can just be a martyr and people can just walk all over you and you'll just keep doing um, what needs to be done. I mean, it's just, it's not, there's no return there. It's just so good to take care of yourself first and know that it's not selfish and know that in the long run, it, feel, it fulfills a greater good when you have that foundation. And I think that's just a common theme in, in um, you know, the individual and co collectively as well that I think that would be good for people to start adopting um, and turning off the news and, and looking in. I mean, this is really the time to look in. I, you know, I was listening to Elizabeth Gilbert also. She did a little a little speech on her Instagram, and it was actually like 12 minutes long. And I'm like, at first I was like, oh, God, am I going to be able to get through this? It's 12 minutes. Where's the punchline? And then, but really what her story was, she's talking about how um, she had a, had a dream about her former girlfriend who was the love of her life and who had died of cancer. I, I don't know when, but a few years back and her girlfriend had suffered from depression and drug addiction and had been incarcerated and, um, you know, managed to write a book and get through that, but then was ultimately hit with cancer, dying of cancer. And she had to go to a prison in New York, which is like a, a kind of like a rehabilitative prison. And they had opened a library that was 
really small and she had to give a speech when she was dying to these women who were the women who most frequented the library, the most passionate readers. And she said that she looked at the women and she said, I had a speech that I was going to read to the group, but I'm going to throw that away and I'm just going to read. I'm just going to say something to you guys. And she says, and she says, um, look around you. You are, this is, this moment is temporary. You're, you know, you have a sight to a way out. And I wasn't going to say this to anybody before, but, you know, my, my where I am is permanent. And um, mm. it really just hit home because I, you know, I feel like all of us have had a moment where we're like, oh my God, <laughs> this is the end. <laughs> this is death. <laughs> <laughs> and then you think you feel it's so permanent and you really hold on to that feeling because that feeling is like oddly comforting. But when she, when she reminded us, you know, and talking about her, her girlfriend that, you know, she was really facing death and this is not death. This, I mean, for, for the majority of humans, this is, um, this is a little death. And there's there's gonna be you know the other side um, for most of us, right? Um, you know, but so well it was put. really cool. Yeah, no, that's to. that's a that's an amazing story and uh, and and true. You know, because uh, I think uh, from an identity standpoint, kind of talking about you know accepting what is happening outside while back to the theme of, you know, while trying to find your voice, we'll experience throughout a lifetime many little deaths of who we were um, while we're becoming, right? Um, but all those little deaths, those were all temporary. Everything is always temporary, um, you know, uh, but obviously uh, death is permanent, right? And even then, uh, I don't know, I, I'm a very spiritual person, so for me, like, I was like, ah, is it, is it, is it the end, or is it just the soul is moving on to its next phase, you know, which I believe in, but that's, that's me, so. Um, well, life goes on, right? Yeah, I absolutely, mean, absolutely, I mean, it's, it's a cycle. It's easy, yeah, it's easy to say when you're not personally experiencing someone, losing someone in the moment, right, and you have, you know, years afterwards, you've lost someone, there's a little bit more clarity that comes, but what is, you know, true and constant is that is that life does go on yeah. and um and you know it's a, it's a painful painful process to lose somebody however you know there's always there's always you know the history of knowing and the comfort in knowing that that life does go on yeah. and um sometimes it's just hard to get grounded in that when you're going through it but yeah. Hopefully you, you'll have a friend there to remind you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I even learned even more about my identity from the losing of my my father was like my uh my go-to, my mentor, my uh my best friend in a lot of ways. Um just a man I really looked up to. The man was so integrity driven and direct and um and took care. He was a man of people, like taking care of people. Um even though he I didn't know how many people he was taking care of until he passed. And I was at the funeral. I'm like, how many people was this man like helping behind the scenes? You know? But, wow. That's yeah. Cool. It was, it was cool. It was really cool. And it, it, it's funny how sometimes a parent can teach you even after they're gone. Many times they can teach you even after they're gone. And I saw all the people he was helping. I saw how he had set everything up for my mother in preparation for anything like this should have happened. I saw how he had organized things and and I thought to myself like maybe it was also just the fact of turning 40 but it was like for me it was um a changing of my approach thinking well there's a couple of things one is channeling that like the person well everybody used to come to me for advice I would go to him and when you no longer have that you have to deal with your own intuition while channeling kind of in that same energy of like what would my father do if he were here right now, what he say? And like, and also kind of carrying on his very legacy of the way he behaved and his, his really, I really appreciate a lot of his actions. And like, so it's interesting to, to lean into even more the internal knowing versus like, you know, I used to <laughs> be like, Hey, I already know this, but you tell me, you know, I, I just need somebody to validate it for me. And then, uh, and then moving now more into that. So I just think I just, 
I was just, you kind of just sparked that in me about like our, our identity can also continue to grow um, even in the loss of somebody, um, both who might still be living if it's just like a divorce or in a death if it's a loved one that just passes on. But the And you're right, life continues on. I, In fact, their lives also in a lot of ways, in my opinion, soulfully continue on because their presence is still felt here and their teachings and their lessons and their effects and their impact are still going. So... Yeah. And they are. And they are. You. And they are. So, undoubtedly. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, I, I can't believe we've already been going about an hour, and we probably <laughs> we just scratched the surface on a bunch of different things. But, like, you know, I, um, how, where do you, where, what's next? Like, where do you, where do you see from here? Um, a lot of, uh, you know, where from where you're at now, and what you're wanting, um future-wise, uh, both in the short-term and the long-term from and, and with the company and with yourself personally? I mean, I'm really living in the moment right now. Um, Perfect answer, and, by the and, way. <laughs> yeah, I'm living for the, I'm definitely in the moment. It's like this situation is definitely force-functioning presence, <laughs> if anything. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm hoping that that I'll continue to do, you know, live on the edge. I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I feel like I live a really full life and I'm fortunate and I, and I don't say no to things. And I, you know, tell people how I feel, even if it's uncomfortable for me or puts me in a place of vulnerability. So I've, I feel like I've been living like that. Um, I'm going to lean into that more and, just not really apologize for there you go. who I am <laughs> and hope that I'll start bringing more and more pe- like-minded people around me and be guiding my children and, and my team the best that I can and just keep, keep learning. Because really- uh, just, I feel like the more you learn, the less you know. <laughs> no, it's absolutely <laughs> true. Know? I'm a, I feel, yeah, I was just having that conversation yesterday. I'm like, the more I know, uh, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's it's, right? it's it's true. And okay, I loved your answer um, because I didn't. I, I certainly didn't want it to come out as like, "Where do you see yourself in five years?" The number one thing I no, hate more sure. than I hate more than anything is when people go. Not I hate more than anything, but they go, "Where do you see yourself in five years?" I'm like, "I'll call you up in four years and like 364 <laughs> days. I'll let you know." I got <laughs> They're like, "Well, you have to have a vision." I'm like, "Oh, I have a vision for my life. Yeah, but like, you know, listen, <laughs> like, uh, given the fact that things are changing." hourly i'll let you know you know i'll give you month by month plays if you want and i'll check in every month for the next four years and let you know how that goes exactly Um, yep yeah just never know folks but but i but i love i love what you're saying in terms of um loving where you're at being present and using that to continuously lead and expand every day in the way it affects your children the way it affects your company the way it affects investors and your employees and your customers i think that leaves you in a very flexible, uh, expansive way and, um, you know, allows you to constantly be present, but like growing at the same time and always using that growth to like affect others. And I think that's the place to play from right there. So there you have it. Just want to commend you on that. <laughs> um, you know, if, if, you know, obviously, I mean, we, we, we talked about the, you know, the product in the past and whatnot, but I want people to be able to find you, you know, whether they find you, the product online, like where can everybody find everything going on with you and, and reach out to you or, or learn more about the products you have? Yeah. So you can follow us on Instagram at fourth and heart. Um, you can either spell out fourth and heart or four T H and heart. And I am, I am Raquel Tavares. I think, yeah, I am Raquel Tavares on Instagram. Um, we are pretty, pretty active these days on Instagram, but just trying to keep it light and fun on, on uh, social media. Cause there's uh, a lot of heavy, shit going on out there (laughs) amen to that and uh so good having you back on you know the rules still apply in terms of uh you can come back on anytime you want three six months from now uh we can go for round three and talk about like some uh another beautiful new topic uh because we'll never run out of topics for sure (laughs) um you know and i just i really appreciate you coming back on Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was really good talking to you again. Absolutely. Stay stay back. I'll connect with you here offline in a second. But for everybody listening, Raquel Tavares, uh, Fourth and Heart, 
four, the number four, TH, fourth and heart um, on Insta. Be sure to check them out. Go to the website. Um, I am Raquel Tavares. If you want to interact with her, um, she uh, she is social. So you guys can interact with her. Just be appropriate. <laughs> but she, uh, you know, she's everything from because I, I always love your posts. You know, you do everything a little, from a little bit of writing, a little bit of motivation to a little bit of like, you know, hey, here, here's me embracing life for the moment um, to yoga um to everything really actually i think i feel like you like a, a just a very healthy like hey if if health were to have a vi like a, a visual <laughs> here's what i'm trying to do um <laughs> so i really really appreciate that always and um yeah so everybody be sure to, to interact with her check out um all of them on social listen smart support small business um she offers healthy products so you're gonna want to check that out i have some of my cupboard uh and continue to cook with it um and i appreciate her for that and uh thank you raquel again i appreciate you thanks matt absolutely back at you thank you stay 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 back one second for everybody listening um first of all guys uh again as i was mentioned thank you for all the, the ratings and the reviews that have been coming out thank you for reaching out thank you for um also being really cool and kind to like all the guests that come on the show um especially like when they you know launch new things i've noticed you guys are very very supportive and i really appreciate it and if you guys have any other questions, please feel free to reach out. Um, you guys know I answer each and every text, DM, to the best of my knowledge, uh, you know, when I find them. And I've been doing it for the last six, seven years. You guys know you can always reach out. Uh, appreciate each and every one of you for my guest, my insanely awesome guest, Raquel Tavares, for myself, Matt Gottesman, and for The Hustle Sold Separately. We are out. Mm -hmm.